Well, if you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read the whole chapter as we look at God's Word. So, Isaiah chapter 6, and let's listen to the Word of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. And this is the word of God. If I was to ask you to describe glory, to explain glory, what would you say? How would you answer Maybe for you, it's uh, in your mind, it's status. That is glory. Having status in society, in different social groups, having recognition of who you are. <clears throat> Maybe it's wealth, having all of the wealth at your disposal to do with it what you want. Or perhaps it's beauty. Glory is beauty, attractiveness. Maybe it's success. You know, the, the fans of the greatest football team in the world saying, glory, glory, Man United, as the Reds go marching on. And well, they haven't been saying about too much success of late. 
but is that, is that what glory is? Success? Maybe it's par. What you say goes. Is that glory? See, glory is quite hard to describe. But I want to think about it in, in, at, at risk of oversimplification. I want to think of it in terms of two things this morning. That glory is, is having something different. Having something which draws us in. In a positive way. Being different and attracting others. And the second way in which um, we could describe glory is, is revelation. That difference, that positive difference being seen. Not hidden, but being revealed and recognized. Because God is different in a positive way. God is attractive. And he has revealed himself. And that has been recognized. Because we see the glory of God. Isaiah sees the glory of God in chapter 6 here. You see, Isaiah 6 is a huge vision of a huge God. And you'll not be surprised to know that Isaiah 6 comes after Isaiah chapter 5. And it's helpful to know what comes in chapter 5 so we can set chapter 6 in its proper context. Because Israel is in a bad state. It's in a bad way. See, their king, King Uzziah, had become proud. And he decided to take on himself priestly duties. And he's inflicted with leprosy and he dies. We see that in Second Chronicles 26. But his proud heart represented the proud heart of the nation in which he led the Israelites. See, God came to the nation looking for justice and he found bloodshed. He came looking for righteousness and found city, or cries of distress. And so Isaiah speaks woes. In other words, he's shaking his head in shame at what he sees in Israel. We see six woes in chapter 5. In verse 8, verse 11, 18, 20, 21, and 22. Chapter 5 is packed full. And so we come into chapter 6. Isaiah is in the temple and he sees God. He sees his <clears throat> the train of his robe filling the temple. And we're reminded that God is present in Jerusalem, but he's not contained in the temple. See, it's likely that King Uzziah reigned for over 50 years, and the, the nation needed to know that God's rule was not impacted by the loss of Uzziah. And so we see this huge vision of a huge God. And we want to see four things as we look at chapter 6. And the first one is that God's glory is revealed in his holiness. God's glory is revealed in his holiness. Look at, at verse 3 with me. There's this, this great exclamation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy is repeated three times there. It's the Hebrew way to say that, that God is holy to the highest degree. And, and often we think of holiness uh, simply as sinlessness. To be holy is to be without sin. But, but there's something a little bit more that we miss there. See, holiness is being completely different. Completely set apart. Completely other. 
God is completely different to us. He is holy. He is sinless, yes, but he is also set apart as being completely different. And that's how God can glorify himself, yet not sin. Because when we glorify ourselves, we're sinning against God, aren't we? But because of God's holiness, his perfectness, he cannot sin. See, God is so incredibly holy. He's the, the holiest being that we cannot even look at him. If you read John 12, verse 41, we're told that Isaiah here in chapter 6 actually sees the Lord Jesus. See, God is so holy, he has to reveal himself through his son, the Lord Jesus. Verse 3 tells us that God's holiness leads to his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his, not holiness, but his glory. See, God is different. See, God is revealed ultimately in the Lord Jesus, and he must be worshipped. And so as we, as we think about that, we, we want to ask ourselves, how big is our vision of God? I'm not talking about in size, but how great is your God that, that you see in Scripture? Because maybe it's not big enough. Because God is holy. He is great. His holiness reveals his glory. Do you see that holy God? Is that the one that you serve? Because not only is God's glory revealed in his holiness, but it's also revealed in his creation. We see that in verse 3 as well. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We live in a world that, that glorifies God. It constantly points to the glory of its maker. Like a pot that constantly bubbles over. It's, it's proclaiming, it's declaring God's glory. See, everything was created to bring glory to God. God was revealing himself in creation. See, God is a God of love. He exists in Trinity. The Father loves the Son, and the, the Father loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Son, and the, uh, the uh, Son loves the Father. They exist in love and community. It draws them together. And so that's why God created humans in community, to, to enjoy that love. He didn't create slaves, as um, those of the Islam faith believe, that, that we were all created to uh, serve God. But God created people to enjoy him and be in relationship with him. He created to reveal himself as we see God's wonderful glory in how he has created the world and how he's created us to live in relationship with one another. And in doing that, he glorifies himself. He brings glory to his name, revealing himself through creation. 
Alec Moitier helpfully says, his active presence in the full reality of deity fills every place and is the only thing capable of doing so. All of God's creation has his fingerprints all over it. Think about the the cycles that he has created. Think about the way in which he provides for us. He provides for creation. He he provides for the weather. He provides uh, for the animals. See, God's glory is revealed in his creation. Think about the beauty of creation. He, He didn't create something that was bland. He created something that was attractive, something that that brings out praise from us to him. Because God's glory is revealed in his creation. Think about even something as simple as taste. He created taste so that we can enjoy food. He didn't have to, but he reveals his glory in his creation and who he is so as we begin to think about what that means for us, it, it, it means that he dictates how we use his creation. I'm not just talking about earth and, and created things, but he dictates our relationships, our bodies. He, he directs us through his word how to live in relationship with one another, how we use our bodies, how we use our time, how we use our resources. And he also calls us to protect those things. To steward creation well, to steward our bodies well, to steward our times well. Because God is glorified in his creation. So how do we steward those things? How do we use them for God's glory and his praise? So God's glory is revealed in his holiness, his creation, but it's also revealed in his mercy. We see that in chapter six or verses six and seven. See here, Isaiah uses a woe for himself. If we'd read from chapter five right through to chapter six, we would have been really impacted by that because we see these whoa, whoa, whoa. It's all for the, the nation of Israel. And then in the chapter six, we, we almost get this with a stop. He, he has a woe for himself. Woe am I, he says. Woe is me, for I am lost from a man of unclean lips. Verse five. And the seraphim, uh, he uses a coal from the altar. The altar where God's wrath is satisfied against our sin. Satisfied there with sacrifice. He uses that coal and touches Isaiah's lips. And his sin is taken away. We see that in verse 7. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. The price has been paid. You have been made clean. See, in chapter 5, everything that was being taken away was, was taken away in punishment. But here what is taking, taken away is, is the guilt of sin. The, the punishment for sin. It's a blessing on Isaiah. See, God's glory is revealed in his mercy to us. It's revealed in his perfect character, his justice, his love, his grace. 
See, God couldn't turn a blind eye to sin. He had to pay for it in order for us to become his people. He couldn't just forget about it. He had to show his justice in paying for that sin, in in giving the sacrifice of his son, the perfect one, to take the penalty that we deserve for our sin. See, God's glory is revealed in his love to us, his grace toward us, poured out in the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus. And so we ask ourselves, are are we aware of God's mercy to us? Are we aware of our sin before a holy God that offends a holy God? Sometimes we get caught up in in either of two things as Christians. We get caught up in in pursuing knowledge and and thinking, I can get closer to God if I just perfect my theology. And we forget about experience. So at times we then pursue experience when we're looking for the next high, the, the next great song, the next great feeling, the next great prayer. And we forget about knowledge of God. And in pursuit of those two things, we forget that we are sinners before a holy God. We forget that we offend him. We rebel against him. And it dulls our horror of sin when we get caught up in other things in the Christian life. And so we ask ourselves again as we, as we see the sensitivity of Isaiah to his sin before a great God, we ask ourselves, are we in Isaiah's shoes? Do we feel that same sin and therefore appreciate even more the mercy of God to us in the Lord Jesus? Because God's glory reveals is revealed in his mercy to us. So we see God's glory is revealed in his holiness, his creation, his mercy, and finally in his mission. We see that in the end of the chapter 8 through verse 13. See, Isaiah is ready to go in verse 8. As he sees his sin, as he is forgiven for his sin, he's, he's ready to go. And really the whole of the book of Isaiah shows us that that the willingness of a a, a servant to be involved in God's mission is the defining characteristic of someone who is faithful. A faithful servant is someone willing to be involved in God's mission. He's He's been given this commission to go. It's interesting, in the book of Isaiah, we don't get introduced to Isaiah until verse 6. The first part of the book is all being um, focused on his message. Here we start in verse six or chapter six. We start to see the person Isaiah. See in the book of Isaiah, the message that he brings is far more important than the person and his identity. Because he, he was being called, not to an easy call, but a very difficult one. He's been called to go and preach to people who are blind and hard hearted. And it's not that much different to us. We, we've been given a hard calling, haven't we? We are surrounded by people who are blind to the gospel. We're surrounded by people who are hard-hearted. So it won't be easy as we are involved in the mission to, to bring the gospel to our, our friends and our family and our work colleagues and the people that we live beside. But there's hope. There's so much hope in verse 13. There's this mention of a holy seed. 
See, the, the stump in verse 13, it's supposed to equal tragedy. You know, when, when a, a huge tree is felled, there's this stump that's left behind with no hope of that tree ever being there again. But a seed, a seed has hope. When a seed is planted, it will sprout, it will grow in, in the right conditions. There's hope. And the seed that's being talked about is a holy seed pointing to the holiness that is made available to us in the Lord Jesus. See, there's hope in our message. It's the message that we need. We have a message to share in our mission. We hold the good news, not just news, the good news. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We live in a world who don't see the glory of God. And so we have a mission to take that message of the glory of God in the gospel, as we've read already from Romans chapter 3. The glory of, the God, of God is revealed in the gospel and sometimes, as followers of Jesus, we feel like we're, we're um, passengers on, on a cruise. We've got our ticket, we're on board, and we're heading to the destination. We feel like we're passengers on a cruise boat, whereas actually we're, we're really people on a lifeboat with a mission to rescue to go and bring the good news to those who have not yet heard or those who are rejecting the gospel. And so we are called to be involved in God's mission as he glorifies himself and brings glory to his name through all that he's doing in the world. And so we ask then, are we involved in that mission? Have we come to be a part? Are we praying are we praying for those we love who are outside of the faith? Are we praying for, for those that we have sent from this church to go and bring the good news to those who have not yet heard? Are we sharing? Are we sharing the good news? Are we giving? Are we sacrificing our time, our energy, our effort? Are we sacrificing our finances to see God glorified in his mission in this world? God's glory is revealed in his holiness, in his creation, in his mercy, and his mission. And so we say, so what? What does that call me to do? Well, it changes everything. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, we read, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the way we live our lives can bring glory to God. Can highlight his holiness. Can highlight the wonder of his glory in creation. Can highlight his mercy and can fulfill his mission. And so we're called to respond to the glory of God. Perhaps this, this week we can just reflect on those few things in, in, in Isaiah 6. Take time to reflect on God's glory and how we can live in response. So let's pray. Father, as we 
see your glory not only in your word in Isaiah 6, but as we see it in your holiness, as we see it in the creation that is all around us, as we see it in your mercy to us, and as we see it in your mission. Father, we are in awe that you've allowed us to be a part of your people, that you've called us to faith in the Lord Jesus, that you've opened our blind eyes, uh, our blind eyes that were blind to the glory of the Lord Jesus, to the glory of the gospel, but you've called us to a right relationship with him or through the Lord Jesus with you. Father, excite us as we see your glory this morning. Make us truly thankful for your mercy to us in Jesus. And Father, equip us for your mission. Move our hearts to pray for your mission in this world. Move our hearts to be involved in in sharing the gospel. Move our hearts to give, we pray that we might see your name glorified. And we pray it.